Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to Discover DEP, the official podcast of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Each week, we talk with DEP experts about how we protect and preserve New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. So that you'll never miss one of our podcasts, please subscribe to Discover DEP on iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, I'm Gladys Gerard, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Today, we are joined by Jeanette Bowers-Altman, Principal Zoologist in DEP's Endangered and Non-Game Species Program. Jeanette is also the department's resident expert on freshwater mussels. Freshwater mussels inhabit rivers, streams, lakes, and ponds. They are vital to their ecosystem by filtering out water and cleaning our waterways. And we're very lucky to have Jeanette here to tell us why they're so important. Jeanette, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Jeanette, tell us about freshwater mussels in New Jersey. How many species of freshwater mussels can be found and why are they so important? Okay, let's start with species. We have 12 native species in the state Mm -hmm. and three of them were introduced. Freshwater mussels are bivalve mollusks that inhabit freshwater systems. They're vital ecosystem components. They are excellent indicators of water quality and are known as nature's vacuum cleaners because they filter out particles and pollutants from the water column. They have an amazing capacity for filtration, and they can filter as much as eight gallons per day per mussel. So they can therefore actually help clean up water quality. They stabilize stream beds by forming dense aggregations, and they help prevent substrate from being carried downstream. Historically, they were used by Native Americans and early pioneers for food and jewelry and tools. So you can eat them. Well, can you, you eat would, them now? <laughs> you wouldn't really want to. Um, okay. They taste kind of rubbery, and okay. uh, it wouldn't be very good for mm-hmm. you. Later, before the age of plastics, uh, they were harvested to make buttons. In New Jersey, there was a pearl rush, which started in 1857 in a tributary of the Passaic River. So we had a pearl industry in New Jersey. Yeah, well, yes. There was a large pink pearl, a huge pearl find found inside of one mussel in this tributary. And that Um, started everything? Yeah, yeah. This was known as the Patterson Pearl. Okay. This led to a frenzy of mussel collection in that area Mm -hmm. and all over the state. And um, it had a profoundly negative impact to freshwater mussel populations. The pearl frenzy eventually spread to other states, including New York, Ohio, Texas, Florida. (laughs) And yeah, that pearl was eventually sold to Tiffany and later became the Queen Anne Pearl. It was sold to the Queen Consort of Napoleon III. So, Jeanette, where are they most commonly found in New Jersey? Uh, Freshwater mussels can be found in rivers, streams, lakes, and ponds with varying types of substrates, where the pH is above about 5.5. Now, pH is a limiting factor in terms of distribution, so you're not going to find many Freshwater mussels in low pH areas like the pinelands. There are a few species such as tidewater muckets and eastern pond mussels that are associated with tidewaters. And what do they usually prey on? They prey on plankton, mainly bacteria and algae, and Mm -hmm. other microorganisms. And do they have any natural predators? Yes, they are eaten by a variety of wildlife. Mm -hmm. Raccoons, muskrats, otters, ducks, herons, some turtle species, and large fish such as sturgeon. 
And can you tell us a little bit about their life cycles? I read somewhere that they can go for a really long time in the wild. Yeah, well, their life cycle is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the females lay eggs and they brood them in specialized gill chambers known as marsupia. Mm -hmm. uh, the males release sperm into the border column and then this is drawn in uh, by the female through a siphon. Sperm fertilizes the eggs and then... They develop into microscopic larvae inside the female, and the microscopic larvae are known as glochidia. Now, the mussels need to infect a host fish to complete their reproductive life cycle, and they've evolved some pretty interesting methods to do this. Some species just release glochidia into the water column, and with luck, a host fish will be swimming along. Some species have lures, and this is a fleshy extension of the mantle, which may look like a smaller fish. Mm -hmm. It waves around in the water column until a host fish comes by. When the host fish tries to eat the lure, the marsupial gills are ruptured, releasing the glochidia. Mm. Um, other species release structures containing glochidia called conglutinates, and these are free-floating and they look like prey items, and then the host fish are infested when they attempt to eat these. Glochidia, well, they will attach to fish wherever they're, they're able. Usually it's on the gills, on the fins, and then they insist on the fish. They hitch a ride on the fish, absorbing nutrients along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, metamorphosis can take days or weeks, depending on the species and water temperature. Uh, at this point, the mussels are free-form juveniles. Uh, they then drop off the fish, and with luck, they happen to be over the right habitat and yeah. substrate. So this is like this has no danger to the fish. No, this doesn't really hurt the fish okay. at all. I've seen fish with glucidia on them, and they just look like tiny little dots, and I don't think they hurt the fish at all. Uh, once the mussel drops off the fish, if it's in suitable substrate, what they do is they burrow, burrow down into the substrate and they stay buried for about a year's time. Okay, wow. And can you tell us about the difference between freshwater mussels and marine mussels? Yeah. And can uh, you eat the marine ones? <laughs> you can definitely eat the marine mussels and they're quite tasty, actually. Uh -huh. uh, marine mussels are, are more closely related to oysters and scallops than they are to freshwater mussels. So as we discussed, the freshwater mussels live in streams and rivers and ponds and lakes, so freshwater. Marine mussels live in saltwater oceans and bays. Freshwaters are more diverse. We have 12 native species in New Jersey. There are only few species of marine mussels in the state. Marine mussels reproduce using external fertilization, mm -hmm. whereas freshwater mussels, the eggs are fertilized internally, and then glochidia are released and attached to fish. Most marine mussels use something called bissel threads to attach to underwater structures such as rocks and jetties. Freshwater mussels don't have these threads, and instead what they do is they use their muscular foot to move along the substrate and also to bury underneath of it. And what is the current status of the freshwater mussel in New Jersey? Is there an endangered species or a species of special concern, or are they threatened or stable? Well, nationally, of about 300 species, 71% are considered endangered, threatened, or special concern. Wow, so, that's, a, that's a big number. Yeah, they're one of the most rapidly declining animal groups in the whole country. Of the 12 native species we have in New Jersey, nine are listed as either as endangered threatened, or special concern. The other three species of the 12 are considered stable, but we have noticed declines in even some of the common species. Uh, the rarest mussels in the state 
are the green floater, the brook floater, and the dwarf wedge mussel, and these are all listed as state endangered. The dwarf wedge mussel is also federally endangered, and now the brook floater is being considered for federal listing. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're in trouble uh, nationwide. So what are the biggest threats to the mussel population? Why are they so endangered here? Threats to freshwater mussels are primarily due to habitat loss and degradation and also to invasion of exotic species. Examples of habitat loss or degradation include the construction of dams, a channelization, contaminants such as heavy metals and pesticides in the water, siltation, shifting stream bottoms, Dams alter the physical, chemical, and biological stream environment, including creating deeper, low-oxygen, low-flow impalements, and they also serve as obstacles to host fishes, so essentially they limit the distribution of freshwater mussels. Uh, Dam removal, though, can also be potentially harmful to mussel populations due to the smothering and clogging of gills caused by sediment release and changes in habitat condition. So mussels don't really respond well to change. So with every dam removal, you're kind of balancing the short-term impacts with the longer-term benefits. Mm -hmm. Exotic mollusks, including the Asian clam and most recently the Chinese pond mussel in New Jersey, will compete for food and space with native species. Uh, We don't have any zebra mussels yet, Mm -hmm. yet in New Jersey, and we're keeping our fingers crossed on that. Other threats to mussel populations include Droughts and extreme weather events, um, severe storms cause, cause flooding, increased runoff and scouring of substrate. Another threat is sea level rise and the potential inundation of, of occupied mussel habitats by salt water. All of these threats make conservation especially challenging. How does DEP survey the freshwater mussel population? Been doing it now since 1993. Wow. We search waterways for exposed mussels, siphons, and trails, which is the long mark you can sometimes see in the substrate that's made by the mussel's muscular foot. We use a two-phase sampling approach. We conduct qualitative surface searches using time searches in run, pool, and riffle habitats. And then if listed species are found, we use more quantitative methods, which include excavations and quarter-meter quadrat sampler. Mussels can bury pretty far down into the substrate, so we dig down about 10 centimeters when we're using this method. We've surveyed almost 300 sites statewide in about the past 15 years, with 181 sites with mussels present. In addition to surveys in suitable habitats, we also monitor listed species populations on a regular basis. So what does DEP do to aid in their conservation? All listed species locations for mussels are entered into the ENSP's biotics database and then used during project reviews by land use regulation and other permitting entities. There are seasonal timing restrictions that are applied for certain types of in-stream work, for example, and these are based on spawning and glochidial release times. Habitats for listed mussels are also part of the ENSP's landscape project, which is used by numerous entities as a proactive planning tool. Important listed species areas have been used as part of the DEP's process to assign Category 1 anti-degradation classifications, so water quality is protected in particular important mussel areas. Locations have also been used to target land acquisition along critical habitats. Uh, We're now in the process of identifying 
potential stream bank restoration sites based on habitat model we developed through analysis of data collected over uh, 15 years. Finally, as part of the recovery planning process, we're looking into whether or not supplementing existing brook floater populations is warranted. So what can our listeners do to help freshwater mussels? Uh, individuals can play an, an important role in conserving freshwater mussel populations. Three primary aspects are care of the waterway, care of the riparian lands that border the waterway, and everyday decisions that can result in less stress upon the entire ecosystem. Care of the water would include clearing out litter, and other non-natural degree, exercising care while wading in the water, avoiding the use of toxic substances directly in the water, never disposing of animal or, at, or human waste in the water. We've actually surveyed sites where there are dirty diapers floating oh, in the waterway, no. so don't do that. And never introducing any foreign species, plant or animal into the waterway. Care of the land surrounding the waterway or the riparian zone. Focusing on maintaining a natural vegetative buffer. Also include clearing debris from the shoreline, removing foreign or invasive plants, and reporting to authorities any unusual discharges in the waterway, either from pipes or through seeps. So if you're out there and you smell gasoline or something that you know shouldn't be out there, please report it to DEP right away. That actually happened to my field crew last year. Care in making your decisions in daily life. Choose more eco-friendly cleaners and solvents. Anything that goes down the household drain ends up in the water somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, also reducing the uh, use of lawn care products. This can keep algae and aquatic vegetation from covering the bottom to excess and also allow the fish populations to thrive. Keep a natural plant buffer between your yard and the waterway to act as a filter for your yard activities. Keep your car maintained so it's not leaking oil into the waterway. Don't dispose of any substance down the storm drains. There are just a few examples here. Finally, just leave the mussels alone. If you come across a mussel in the stream, just don't touch don't it. Don't touch it. Don't pick it up and put it in your fish tank at home. And whatever you do, don't use it for bait because we have run into people that actually are collecting mussels out of a lake or out of a stream and then putting them on a hook and they're using it for bait. So why is that don't dangerous? Do that. Well, with nine out of 12 species, you could potentially be in essence taking a, a listed species. Okay. So definitely don't do that. <laughs> so Jeanette, can you tell us what you think is the most interesting fact about freshwater mussels? The most fun fact. I get this I get asked this a lot. Freshwater mussels are among the oldest living organisms on earth, and some species actually can live over a hundred years. Wow, that is impressive. Do we have any in captivity that are that old? Not that I'm aware. Uh -huh. <laughs> wow, but that's still very but, impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of old species, yes, definitely. They live a long time. Are any of those species in New Jersey? Not the 100-year-olds, but we do have species that can live 50 or 60 or 70 years, which actually makes surveying a little deceptive sometimes because you can come across a mussel population and on the surface it looks like everything's fine because you see a lot of adults and their dense beds. What you don't know is that they could possibly be functionally extinct and what you're seeing are the adults and they're not breeding. So finding young mussels is actually uh, something that we strive for. Oh, that's very good to know. I won't touch any if I see them outside. <laughs> Thank you. Of course.
course, if you see them stuck in the stream bank and, and that there's no water, please put them in a place where they will actually be wet. So, Jeanette, how can we identify freshwater mussels? Okay. Well, freshwater mussels are bivalves, which means they have two shells. And often these shells are held together by lateral and pseudocardinal teeth that combined are called hinge teeth. Shell features like these and other characteristics all have taxonomic significance. Some mussels lack hinge teeth entirely, which is also a key feature in some species. In addition to shell components, general shape of the shell, color, presence of rays, texture of the epidermis or the outer shell, color of the nacre or the inner shell, these are all used to identify mussels. A key to New Jersey species, along with photographs and range maps, can be found through links on the division's website and also the Conserved Wildlife Foundation's Freshwater Mussel Story Map, which we helped put together. And we will have the links to that in our description for this episode. There's also a website we helped create with the American Museum of Natural History, which covers mussels of New Jersey and the New York metropolitan area. These resources and others are out there if people want to learn more about freshwater mussels. We also, on occasion, do training sessions for people who'd like to volunteer for the Endangered Species Program and help us conduct freshwater mussel surveys. That's excellent! So how can someone become a volunteer for this? Well, they can visit our website, the Mm -hmm. division's website. People can uh, sign up to be a, a Wildlife Conservation Corps volunteer and they will be trained to help us uh, survey for freshwater mussels. Excellent. Well, Jeanette, thank you very much for coming by today to tell us about freshwater mussels here in New Jersey. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.